What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of GMs for Hire. I am Jamil. With me is RJ. And when it's the two of us, you know what's going down. We're talking college football. Um, you're locked in with us on a Wednesday. The rankings dropped last night. And um, the top six, uh, nothing really changed in the top six. Um, the, everything is the same, exactly the same. It's Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State in the top four, followed by Texas A&M and the University of Florida. No surprises there. But um, our first surprise came at number seven, where the Iowa State Hawkeyes, uh, they're sitting at seven. They went up four spots last week. They went up two more spots this week. They move up to seven. They passed an undefeated Cincinnati, who's hanging on at eight. And then nine and ten is still Georgia and Miami. Um, RJ, the big news of the night seemed to be Iowa State moving up to seven. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you've already, in the first 30 seconds of the show, you already pissed off the state of Iowa because the Iowa State Cyclones, um are the ones that moved up to seven not the Hawkeyes. I call them Hawkeyes you did oh they're oh, gonna man. hate you for that one they're gonna hate you for that one uh yeah no that to me was the big takeaway here tonight is Iowa State moving up to number seven we said I said it last week I made a I made a comment how they were sitting there at what nine I think and I was like are we sure the big 12's eliminated like we think they are but are we a hundred percent sure and now this week they're up to number seven and they have passed an undefeated Cincinnati who didn't get a chance to play last week. And it looks like they're not going to get a chance to play this week. Now, all of a sudden, this, this notion that, you know, the Big 12 is not eliminated, we kind of actually have to pay attention to this now. Like, they're sitting at seven. And some of these teams in front of them are going to play each other or they might not play again. So, Iowa State, we wrote the Big 12 off weeks ago. And now here we are what, eight days from Selection Sunday, or maybe a little less, I don't even know, and Iowa State is sitting at seven. All they need is for a couple results to go their way, and we're going to have our first two-loss team make the college football playoff. I'm sure everybody thought it was going to be Iowa State. I'm sure everybody had that on their bingo card for 2020, uh, Iowa State making the playoff. But, wow, uh, that to me was definitely the biggest takeaway tonight. The fact that they put two-loss Iowa State above undefeated Cincinnati. Um, you know what's funny? Uh, that loss uh, Iowa State took in week one to Louisiana, uh, it's looking pretty big. And speaking of Louisiana, they're going to be taking on Coastal Carolina in the conference championship game. And uh, if Coastal's able to win that game, something you've been calling for for a while uh, – Coastal might have a chance to sneak into the top 10 and overtake Cincinnati for that group of five uh, New Year's six game. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I've been saying all we need is for Cincinnati to lose against Tulsa in the championship game. And the next highest group of five, you know, champion is going to be Coastal Carolina. They have to take care of business. They still have to beat Louisiana in the Sun Belt championship, but you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned Louisiana. We're sitting here talking about Iowa State and how they're just beating teams and beating teams and moving up. You have to look not only at the teams they've beaten, but look at that Louisiana loss. The more Louisiana keeps winning and the more Louisiana keeps moving up, now Iowa State doesn't have that bad of a loss that we thought was, we thought it derailed their playoff chances week one against Louisiana. 
But now Louisiana keeps winning and keeps winning and keeps winning, beat a good Appalachian State team last week. Now Iowa State's loss is kind of helping them move up also. But, yes, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, this time last week, we didn't even know they were going to play BYU. Our last episode, we had talked about how big the game versus Liberty was going to be. And lo and behold, Liberty, you know, has their issues, and we get BYU Coastal Carolina. That game, by the way, if you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. It was amazing. That might be the second best college football game that I have watched this year behind Clemson-Notre Dame, that classic. This Coastal Carolina team, they were, what, an 11-point underdog against BYU. Nobody on college game day thought that Coastal even had a chance against BYU. They said the line of scrimmage in the trenches, BYU was just going to be too physical, and they were going to overpower Coastal. This Coastal Carolina team is good. They are not just a good Sunbelt team. They are not just a good story. They're not just fun because they got the mullets and they – do wrestling moves in the locker room. This is a good football team. Like they were actually pretty physical on the line of scrimmage. They manhandled BYU. I mean, they were getting pressure on Zach Wilson rushing three guys. All this talk I heard on game day of, oh, BYU's too physical. BYU's too physical. Coastal's getting pressure on Zach Wilson rushing three, which by the way, loser of the week is Zach Wilson. Here we thought this guy was the third best quarterback in the draft. That dude was shook in Coastal Car- and uh, down in Conway. He was absolutely shook that entire game. I don't know. I bet he's fallen down some draft boards this week. But yes, this Coastal team, I do think there's a chance they get up in that top ten, and it's all going to come down to Cincinnati Tulsa. If Tulsa can pull that upset off, you're going to hear a lot of cheering coming out of Myrtle Beach. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Um, yeah, Coastal Carolina is uh. Really, guys, you mentioned they're really great football team. I'm glad a lot of the rest of the nation got to see that. I've been high on Grayson McCall since the first few weeks of the season because, you know, I I like to watch, you know, everybody's watching like the big games of the season. I'm watching like random games. I watch the Mac on Tuesdays. So I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, the rest of the nation got to see how good of a team this really is and how good of a quarterback he can be, even though, you know, he didn't have his greatest game, but the rest of that team really stepped up. And shout out BYU, though, for coming in and um, taking the game. Um, Flex scheduling is something I want to talk about real quick. Um, Something that Probably that they, those two teams showed this week that flex scheduling could be something that should be done the rest of this season and should be done in the future. Um, if those two teams can do it, there's no excuse why some other teams can't do it. And I'm just going to call them out this week. Um, Ohio State versus Michigan canceled. Cincinnati's game canceled. Texas A&M's game's canceled. Those are three teams in the top 10. Two of those teams need to go play. I'm sorry. Because if you look at it like this, you Texas A&M sitting at five. They need help, though. AM is not going to get in, especially if Florida beats Alabama. They're done. So Florida, they need Alabama to beat Florida, and they probably know they're going to be Clemson for sure to get in. But if you're a Texas AM and you're looking at the outside looking in, and you're Ohio State, and you're not sure what's going to happen with your schedule at five when you're five and oh, you two should just play each other. Because if if one is if you if Ohio State beats Texas AM, to me, no matter what happens with their schedule, they would get put in the playoffs with that win. Oh, absolutely. No, that's uh that I'm really glad that BYU did that last week with Coastal, and it's going to kind of open the doors, I hope. Um, this is something that needs to be done. Now, of course, everybody wants to see Ohio State play Texas A&M because that would essentially be a playoff game. Everybody's talked about expanded playoffs, maybe a 16 playoff. 
well, here's your 16 playoff idea right now. Alabama plays Florida, Clemson plays Notre Dame, and Ohio State plays Texas A&M. That's your 16 playoff, and we could get it. Um, so, yes, for our sake and probably for the committee's sake to make things a little easier, Ohio State and Texas A&M absolutely should play. Now, for Ohio State's sake – or I'll start with Texas A&M. For Texas A&M's sake, no. They absolutely should not play Ohio State. This was their dream scenario right here. If Alabama beats Florida and if Notre Dame beats Clemson, those two teams are locked in and Clemson and Florida are eliminated. Now, if Ohio State can't play any more games, I do believe the committee will hold that against them only playing five games, and I think that would be enough for A&M to jump. A&M still has a game against Tennessee in a couple weeks on the same day Alabama plays Florida. So A&M can add another dub, and Ohio State couldn't. This is exactly what A&M needed. They needed something to happen where they could pass Ohio State. Why would you help them? Like, th you need Ohio State to not play again. So why would you pick up the phone and call them and play them? Because if you lose that game, you screwed yourself in more ways than one. Now, obviously, if you win that game, yeah, you're probably a lock to make the playoff. So I get, you know, what you're saying there. As far as Ohio State goes, I don't think you need to make that call either because the Big Ten's going to change the rules and let you play the Big Ten championship game. Uh, you were supposed to play six. Looks like you're only going to play five, but they're just going to change the rules and let Ohio State play the Big Ten championship. They're going to have a big win over Northwestern. They're probably going to win by 30, and they have a good chance of making the playoff. So these two teams need to play each other for our sake, for, you know, the network's sake, whichever network could get the rights to that game, and for the committee's sake to kind of, you know, weed it down a little bit. But as far as Ohio State and Texas A&M, I don't think they need to play each other at all. Now, Cincinnati, though, after they fall behind Iowa State, Cincinnati should be getting a little desperate because, yes, Cincinnati still has a game to play, but so does Iowa State. And you've already dropped behind Iowa State. Cincinnati better be trying to figure out something where they can jump. Cincinnati to Columbus isn't that long of a trip. Maybe you try to make that deal. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying, you know, why these teams don't necessarily need to make the game. But to me, if you're if you're sitting on the outside looking in like your Texas saying them and yeah, the past few years, you've seen, you know, the kind of crazy hops that can happen if you're idle. If or if you if the team destroys someone else, we saw it in the first season where Ohio State jumps Baylor and T, and uh, Texas Christian by just beating the absolute snot out of Wisconsin. So I feel like if, if you have a chance to go out there and, and win a game on your own, solidify yourself, I think you should do that in this day and age. But I definitely agree with, with uh, Cincinnati. I think that um, especially if, if they want a chance to make the playoffs as a G5 team, this is the kind of move you have to make. You have to go out there and make a statement and try to play one of the top teams if it becomes available to you, especially when a team like Ohio State that is in the same state as you, that they have, a bi they have an off week as well. If you can make it happen, you either make it happen. Or Cincinnati should pick up the phone and call that little team down in Myrtle Beach. We need Cincinnati versus Coastal Carolina. The people need it. You know, that would be crazy if uh, for two straight weeks that uh, Coastal would flex a game and play a team that's ranked in the top 15. Um, would definitely be crazy. That would be crazy. And um, I think it could be, you know, a new wave in college football when um, you don't, where you can get these playoff games within the season um, late in the year like this.
I do think um, there are certain things that are going to come out of this whole COVID era, and we're probably going to change the way we do certain things. I do think you could start to see these big time programs maybe put a put an extra bye week towards the end of the season or schedule some cream puff team late in the season. And then if the first part of the season doesn't necessarily go your way, but you're still in striking distance, I mean, who's to say Alabama couldn't just pay Mercer off and then call someone else to get another big resume booster right before the Iron Bowl or something, you know, like help boost that resume in a year where, you know, they have a regular season loss or whatever, which isn't likely, but I'm just saying, I I do think you could see these big programs start to maybe do this. And I think it could be great for college football because I think we could get some really interesting matchups. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. You get some, you get some matchups that you want to necessarily see every day, especially, you know, like a perfect example is the week before uh, the rivalry weeks. Usually these teams are playing an FCS team. You can pay them off and you go ahead and hit up a team from another coast that's ranked ahead of you or ranked right near you. And you both need a resume booster. Um, I definitely hope that's what happens because I feel like what happened last week is proof that if a, if the little guys quote unquote and the non, the non um, power five conferences can do it, why can't a team from the power five do it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. They need to they need to follow suit and get in on this trend because I do think this is something that we could potentially see happen. Um, something else that uh, I want to make note of in these rankings, um, they, they put Missouri in the top 25 and Missouri just so happened to play both of um, Florida and Alabama this year and lost to both. So now all of a sudden Florida and Alabama have another resume boosting win yeah i noticed that shout out missouri shout out eli Drinkwitz, the coach when we did our little sec preview it was hard to find wins for missouri it was hard to find wins for vanderbilt which they haven't found one and it was hard to find wins for arkansas sam Pittman's done a great job at arkansas we know things didn't really go vanderbilt's way but shout out missouri the fact that missouri is in the rankings that's insane. I, I Nobody saw that coming before the season started. But, yeah, that's another little resume booster for Bama and Florida. I don't think it's going to matter because, like we've said, if Florida beats Bama, they're both in. You're not going to leave either one of them out. But, um, yeah, shout out Missouri. Yeah, um, you were definitely not a fan of Missouri or um, Arkansas before the season started. And it's ironic that they both played each other last week, and they played a pretty darn good football game as well. Yeah, they but, did. Um, I had a that was a that was a great game. By the way, I had Arkansas plus three, and they lost by two. <laughs> um, another game I wanted to touch on. You know, we all know you're a Tar Heels fan. Um, they play Miami, seventeen versus ten. You mentioned earlier how um Coastal Carolina could move up into the top ten. You mentioned that North Carolina will beat Miami, but um Miami's sitting there at ten. And if they are able to knock off North Carolina, their only loss this season would be to Clemson. And um, they would probably lock themselves up for a, a New Year's Six Bowl game, probably the Orange Bowl. Um, how do you feel about your Tar Heels going to that one? I love this game. I am I am very excited. Uh, they had a national television audience for the Notre Dame game, and they didn't win it. They fell on their face. The offense did not look that good. Uh, the defense looked about right on par. Couldn't get a stop or couldn't get very many of them. Um 
they they need to bounce back. This is another nationally televised game. It's going to be on ABC at 3.30. We got the A-team calling it, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Maria Taylor. That's a big deal. How many times have you heard Kirk Herbstreet call a Tar Heel game other than the Notre Dame game a couple weeks ago? So that's a big deal. Um, but, yeah, this is also a big game. If Clemson beats Notre Dame and both of them get into the playoff, this Miami-North Carolina game, winner goes to the Orange Bowl. So it's a big deal, and it's a much bigger deal for North Carolina than it is for Miami, I think. Um, it'd be, you know, it's good for Miami. It would help with recruiting, playing a bowl game at your home stadium. Good for you, all that. But for North Carolina and where this program was just two or three years ago, Mac Brown comes in and completely changes the culture, completely changes the narrative around the program, and this team is going to be good going forward under Mac Brown. They're going to sign a top 15 recruiting class here in the next few weeks. Um, if they can pull this win off versus Miami, clinch a spot in the Orange Bowl, that'd be a huge win for the Tar Heels. See, while you do think that's going to be good, a big one for the Tar Heels, which I do agree with you, I think it'd also be a big one for the Canes. Um, they've quietly just sat at 10 for the past few weeks. No one's talking about them. Their only loss is to Clemson, the almighty power of the ACC. And um, – they could return a lot of this, a lot of players next season. Obviously, they're going to lose a couple of key guys in the NFL on the on the D line. But um, if they could bring Derek King back next year, and you you can beat North Carolina, you go to the Orange Bowl. If you can win the Orange Bowl, uh, to me that's pretty big. You know, going into the season, people are wondering um, if Manny Diaz, you know, if he was going to put this team in the right direction after last year's lost season. It seemed like um, I think that if they are able to go and win this game, and they can bring Derek King back next year, I think they're quietly going to be. Um, a favorite in the ACC since Notre Dame is going to be going back to the independence. Um, it'll probably be preseason all about Miami and all about Clemson. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, throw UNC in there. Sam Howell's coming back. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned Miami not getting a lot of talk, not a lot of respect because they're getting the Texas A&M treatment. Uh, you got blown out by the best team in your conference and you're not going to play in the conference championship game. You're kind of getting left out. I know we're talking about A&M because they're sitting at five, but really A&M and Miami are getting the same treatment. I will say if Miami beats a really good North Carolina team, Miami should be right there with Texas A&M in the rankings, I think, uh, because A&M really – I mean, their best one's Florida, obviously, um, and Florida had a bunch of turnovers in that game. If Miami goes out there and just beats North Carolina, I don't mean, you know, a fluke catch or bad penalties or anything like that. If they line up, and just say, we're better than you, and beat North Carolina, I think Miami should be right there with Texas A&M, and that's going to be a good Orange Bowl because that's what the Orange Bowl would be. It would be A&M and Miami. So, Yeah, I definitely think um, it would be interesting to see what they do with Miami if they do win this game. Um, you would have to assume they hop over Georgia then put them at least at nine. Then uh, Cincinnati, they're not playing again this week. They already punished them once for not playing this a game. So uh, would they put them over Cincinnati and throw them inside the top eight? Uh, I think it will definitely be interesting. And then, um, you know, you did mention that that would be the Orange Bowl. I think if Florida loses to Alabama, they, um, it would be interesting to see where they end up as well between A&M and Florida with these New Year's Six games. Well, yeah, if Florida loses to Alabama, then the Orange Bowl committee or whoever does have a decision to make, do you take A&M or do you take Florida? And I think for a matchup and for geographical reasons and for, you know, selling tickets and stuff – I think you put Florida in that game, but hey, spoiler alert, I think Florida's winning against Alabama. So, hey, 
I think they're going to have bigger fish to fry in Miami than an Orange Bowl. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. But then uh, if they do have that option between Florida and A&M, then you have the option of A&M versus Georgia for another New Year's Six game. You know, um, it would definitely be interesting to see what, what um, these bowl games end up looking like. But um, we're looking really far ahead, obviously. We still have a lot to play for. The top six is, is looking the same, but we all know the scenarios for uh, who's going to get in, who's not going to get in. Um, all I just throw in Ohio State. I personally think no matter what happens, they're going to put Ohio State in. I don't know about you. If Florida beats Alabama and if Clemson beats Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Then they're those, right. yeah. those are the four teams. Me and period. you have established that for a couple of weeks now. That, that yeah, those, period. When it's going to be all South playoff. Well, not exactly. Notre Dame. I was on the South, but. Exactly. No, those are definitely the four. Your only argument is if one of those, you know, favorites wins between Bama and Notre Dame, and then you just have to hope. Actually, you don't have to hope. Ohio State would be locked in because you're not going to put A&M above them. You're not going to put Cincy above them. Yeah, really, Ohio State just needs either Alabama or Notre Dame to win. If you get both, I mean, you know you're locked in. So, Yeah, I think they're honestly getting – a, a good like a they're getting lucky to me that, that they're getting put in because I feel like they're gonna less games you're a fresher team I thought they will go on with a little bit of advantage and that sucks for the rest of the teams in my opinion yeah no I I definitely think that the number of games they played should be held against them because we mentioned how flex scheduling could be something you see in college football what you don't want to see is a team not scheduling as many games and trying to just win their nine games and try to get in over a team that, you know, went 11-1 or something. So I don't want to set that precedent where you can just play less games and get in. But uh, in this scenario, that's, I don't know, that's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting deal there. Yeah, it'll definitely be um, interesting to see what, what they do with the Buckeyes. Uh, before we wrap up though, uh, bowl season's quickly approaching and uh I know you are hosting a pick for James for Hire, so go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so what I'm doing is uh, I'm starting a group. Um, it's going to be a $10 entry. Uh, the pot is going to be split between the top two. Um, I don't know. I didn't want to just give it all to the winner. You know, we got to hook up whoever whoever finishes second. Um, but unless, you know, unless we have to split it a bunch of different ways. Yeah, $10 in, you pick all the bowl games, which it's rapidly going down. Yeah. I, I think we're up to 11 bowls that have been canceled now. Like, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah, we're starting one of those. Um, hit me up on social media if you want to get in. I'm, I'm open. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you. You know what would be cool if, you know, they're canceling all these bowl games. If some teams just went ahead and just scheduled a random non-conference game with, with a high-powered team, um, that probably won't happen. But, you know, if this just talking about flex scheduling, that would be pretty cool if, if you know, some bowls are getting canceled and some teams are just like, hey, you know, we, we're not – the bowl game got canceled, your bowl game got canceled, let's play a game. Well, what really sucks, and I was reading this, like, last week or the week before, is because there's going to be less bowl spots to fill, you're going to have a good team that doesn't even get an invitation. And the team that I read was Liberty. Here's Liberty. They're out here 9-1. and one. Their only loss was to NC State. It was a very tough loss. Like, they wouldn't even get a bowl invite, some people don't think. So, that's going to be a tough deal. I know there's a lot of people that think we have too many bowls and too many people get in, and I don't disagree with that. But now what we're doing is leaving out teams that 
deserve to have some kind of end of the season celebration, they might not be getting it this year. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, COVID 2020 sucks. So um, I, that would be terrible if Liberty doesn't get into a bowl game. They have a couple, you know, their quarterback in league Willis is a great quarterback court transfer from Auburn. You know, they're a fun team to watch coached by Hugh freeze who could or may, may or may not be on the move this off season. We'll talk about that later on in a couple months. Um, yeah, that'd be a real shame if they can get into a bowl game. Yeah. If, uh, yeah, <laughs> if, if I'm Tennessee, I know who I'm calling right now and it's that man, Hugh freeze. Well, I thought South Carolina was going to give a run at him, and then they went and hired the tight ends coach from Oklahoma, and that was, they have that flew under the radar. Yeah, that's – I mean, I heard that name a couple times, but I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, Hugh Freeze is out there. I'm not necessarily – I'm not sure Hugh Freeze wanted that job, honestly. That South Carolina job, from what I've heard some people say, doesn't sound too uh, promising. Uh, doesn't it's going to be hard to succeed there, especially when you look at what Florida and Georgia are doing right now. Uh, South Carolina is going to be a tough place, but you, if you freeze could end up at Tennessee, you now have a three horse race in the sec East every year. And those games are going to be must watch. Yeah. Uh, Hugh freeze, you know, people, people forgot about Hugh freeze, you know, he didn't get fired for his inability to win games. He got fired Hold because on. he had, uh, some mis- mishandling of some phone numbers in his phone. If we'll just put it that way. That may be Al- Al- Alabama twice. Not a lot of coaches said it'd be Alabama twice in back-to-back seasons either. Fun fact, any trivia question for everybody watching. How many current head coaches in FBS have multiple wins over Nick Saban? Hmm. There's no way it can be more than three. Three. It's th- I was going to say three. Dabo Sweeney, Gus Malzahn, and Hugh Freeze. That's it. That's the list. That's it. And Gus Malzahn might find his way out of a job in Auburn pretty soon. Oh, don't get me started on that. That dude's a good coach. That that bugs me. If Auburn decides to get rid of him, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Because I swear that dude can coach. It sounds like we're going to have a little impromptu uh, coaching carousel episode pretty soon between me and you. The way you're yeah. talking about Hugh, Gus Malzahn. Yeah, yeah, we might have to, honestly, because there's a lot of guys that are on a hot seat that shouldn't be on a hot seat, and there's a lot of guys that I'm not sure how hot their seat is, but it probably needs to be hotter. Yeah, definitely um, interesting, you know, but this was another week of our rankings. We'll be back next week with hopefully some um, more ranking bombs to drop on you guys. We'll see what happens this week, but for myself and RJ, thank you for listening. This is James for Hire. This is a rankings episode. Peace.